The week before last, I went to Chicago and attended a conference called Shared Space. And this conference was focused on young adult and college ministry. It was called Shared Space because it was composed of about 400 people that work with college students and young adults from the Episcopal Church, Methodists, Lutherans, and Disciples of Christ. Overall, it was a great conference, but I traveled to Chicago with Randall Curtis, who is the Youth and Young Adult Coordinator for the Diocese of Arkansas. And I let Randall make room reservations, and I think that he took the theme of shared space a little too far. When I agreed to share a room with Randall, I did so so that we could save some money. And when we checked into our room downtown in Chicago, the room itself was about the size of a closet, and there was only one full-size bed. And so when we walked in, I assumed that they had made a mistake with our reservation. But Randall informed me that two beds would have been much more expensive, and plus we were at a shared space conference, so deal with it. Now, after spending time at the conference with various leaders from the Episcopal Church, I can tell you that things look pretty good at St. Peter's. Things look great, actually. I was surprised to find out that St. Peter's College Dinner Program is the most successful program within our province and our diocese. But our province includes all of Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Kansas, and Louisiana. Now, I take no credit for that success because St. Peter's College Dinner Program was in effect long before I arrived. I'm just fortunate to be part of it. I also heard countless conversations from leaders who desperately wished that they had some kind of designated space for their young adult ministries. And so I didn't even bring up the Ledbetter House across the street or people would have started to hate St. Peter's. Now, in these conversations with people from across the country, it became clear to me just how blessed that we are at St. Peter's. Our physical location here and across the street and generous financial support opens doors for ministry here at St. Peter's that are difficult to comprehend until you see what other leaders are dealing with. Now, most conferences that I've been to end up somehow or another being focused on evangelism. And I know that that is a word that kind of creeps us out in the Episcopal Church. But at conferences, regardless of what the title or the topic is, one way or another, they always seem to morph into discussions about how can we get so-and-so group into our church? How can we get this group of people or that group of people interested in our church? And this shared space conference was no different. Everyone there was hoping to find out the magic solution to bring more young adults into their church. And so they pulled out the big guns and brought Diana Butler Bass as our keynote speaker. I've seen Diana speak on several occasions, and I've read several of her books. And for the most part, I've always enjoyed her perspective, although it can be pretty depressing. That's because Diana is famous for using statistics and surveys that show the steady decline within mainline denominations. 
And she also speaks to the rapid growth of those now identifying as having no religious affiliation. So I think it's good to take a long, hard look at some of those numbers and statistics. It's a wake-up call, and for some, it's a slap in the face. But I do appreciate scholars like Diana who put these numbers out there so that everyone can see them. For me personally, these numbers, these declining numbers and statistics don't necessarily trouble me because if you look at numbers and statistics within religion throughout history, you will notice that they look like a roller coaster. They always have dramatic shifts of rising and falling. And with each rise and fall, these statistics are sending loud and clear messages. They are sending a message that things are changing. How people respond to religious faith in the 21st century is changing. How people identify is changing. The way that people view a community is changing. And also the way that people interpret what is the good news is changing. But these changes are nothing new, and we can see evidence of it from our gospel reading today. In our gospel reading from Luke, we find where Jesus sends out 70 evangelists in pairs of two on a mission to spread the good news. And as they are sent out, they're given some words of wisdom for their journey. These 70 are told that there are many people who are desperate for the good news, but that there were few willing to share it. They are told that they may not be welcomed with open arms, and they were being sent out as sheep in the midst of wolves. On this journey, they were told to pack light, and they would be dependent solely upon other people's hospitality. And they were sent out to be messengers of peace, and they were to announce their coming in peace at each community they visited. Now, whether they were received by a community or rejected by a community, they were there to proclaim that the kingdom of God had come near. It's a rather strange account of spreading the good news. And for some of us, this story from Luke's gospel may sound and look familiar. When I think of people being sent out to evangelize in groups of two, I typically think of bicycles, white button-up shirts with name tags, and a knock on my door on a Saturday afternoon. When I lived in California, there were several vans full of people that would pull up in my neighborhood every Saturday with maps and divide into groups of two and would go door to door spreading the good news. Typically on a Saturday afternoon when Julie and I would see them coming up our driveway, we would dive behind the couch so that they couldn't see us. And this certain group, I don't know the name of their church, Jesus Christ of East Oakland or something, strange name, but at least these people were kind enough to leave some literature on our porch letting us know that we were going to hell. Now I think a major contributor to the declining numbers and statistics in mainline denominations that Diana Butler Bass speaks about, I think these numbers have a lot to do with evangelism. I'm aware that it's a word that we don't care much for in the Episcopal Church, 
But even so, I believe that we have to ask ourselves, what does evangelism mean in the 21st century? What does evangelism look like in the 21st century? And what is the good news in a contemporary secular society? Diana Butler Bass is an Episcopalian herself, and she writes and speaks at length about the rise of those with no religious affiliation. And theologian Robert Hunt describes those individuals as people who know that they could slip into disbelief or a different religion without having the world crumble or their life lose its meaning. These are people for whom coaching a kid's soccer team brings a real sense of fulfillment, and a spa weekend offers genuine peace of mind. Whose kid is that? <laughs> so knowing that this group is gaining momentum at an alarming rate, Hunt feels that we need a new type of evangelism in a secular modern society because the choice for Jesus Christ comes to us in a form that it has never come in before. It isn't a commitment to true doctrine or true worship or true Christian experience. These are things that obsessed the founders of our denominations and led them to demand choices within a society where Christianity itself was a given. But our culture has changed quite dramatically since since our denominations began. And so the evangelistic choice a contemporary person is asked to make is of a completely different order than that of previous generations. And I think that many forms of religious evangelism today are presented with simply cut and dry options. There is no sense of invitation. There is no sense of journey. You're either in or you're out. You either believe or you don't. And in that type of framework, I think that the good news becomes hard to find. I also believe that Robert Hunt is correct in his assessment that evangelism in a secular age isn't necessarily about making a choice or even making a commitment to a church community. It's about drawing people through worship, life and community, and service into a framework for understanding reality where value and comprehensiveness isn't immediately obvious. And evangelism in a secular age is an invitation into commitment to an arduous course of learning and a long-term relationship with a community that has no obvious and immediate payoff. And it does have immediate and obvious hardship. No one says that being in community would be easy. And it takes faith. And evangelism in a secular age is all about faith. But the recognition that the human capacity for, for faith is not merely a capacity for making choices within a given world. Faith is knowing that our self is a shadow cast by a greater light and that we can never know which road leads certainly to that light. Yet, faith knows that one must choose some road or remain ever in the dark. In our gospel reading today, Jesus was sending out 70 evangelists with a message that the, the kingdom of God was near. And it reminds us that God also calls us to be people of invitation. People who invite others onto a journey. 
Luke's Gospel this morning presents us with a challenge, and it provides us with wisdom as well. This journey is something that we do as a community. It's a journey with an abundance of opportunity. And we are told that this journey is best made when we travel light, and that we always must begin in peace. And so for us, our journey today as a parish community is to step into the sandals of those first followers of Jesus. It is our task to bring that message to the communities where we live and where we move and where we have our being. And in doing so, to also keep that message alive in our own hearts and in our own lives and in our own souls. And by doing so, I believe that we will find that the kingdom of God has drawn near. Amen.